I have a calmness about whatever comes my way and a poise. Um, and that comes from starting the morning off with meditation. So why should an athlete train his or her mind? Well, in recent years, there's been something of a mindfulness explosion in the West, and it's unlikely that you've gone this far without being told of the potential benefits of meditation and mindfulness practice for your life. And unfortunately, this mindfulness explosion has its drawbacks. For instance, there are unscrupulous marketers and authors and app developers who are exaggerating what the potential benefits are. And it's being marketed in such a way that it's only really touching the shallow or surface level benefits of meditation. And those of us who've spent a lot of time meditating and spent time on silent meditation retreats understand that some of the surfacey benefits like, uh, you know, falling asleep quicker or being a little bit more productive at work are interesting and positive, but ultimately kind of missing the point of what a meditation practice is ultimately about. So in their book, Altered Traits, Dan Goleman and Richard Davidson expose some of these excesses, and they try to tease apart what the good science is and what the bad science is, or has been, um, as far as studying meditation and mindfulness. And even without exaggeration, even the claims that we can be confident about are really encouraging and impressive. Um, and some of these benefits relate directly to athletics. For instance, a sustained meditation practice has been shown to reduce stress and anxiety, and particularly performance anxiety, which is how I got into meditation initially. It also can reduce self-concern and increase pain tolerance, and some studies show that it reduces inflammation so there's a wide variety of potential benefits that, that relate directly to athletics. And some of these benefits, or some of these studies have been so persuasive that even the military has begun adopting meditation and mindfulness as a way to prepare soldiers for battle. And last year, there was an article in the, New York, in the New York Times titled, The Latest Military Strategy, Mindfulness. And one of the quotes from this article is the following. The troops who went through a month-long training regimen that included daily practice and mindful breathing and focus techniques were better able to discern key information under chaotic circumstances and experienced increases in working memory function. The soldiers also reported making fewer cognitive errors than service members who did not use mindfulness. And another quote from the article, The science shows that techniques that focus and calm the mind allow people to perform better and make them less likely to overreact to incoming stimulation whether a flash of movement, sound, or an onslaught of information on a device. And it's not difficult to see how these skills apply directly to sports as well. And while mistakes are more consequential on the battlefield than on the court or on the field, um, athletes are expected to perform in chaotic environments and keep their cool and remain calm and focused when things are difficult and stressful and they have to play through pain. So some of these skills that they're using to adopt for the military can be applied directly to sports. And what the real takeaway was from the Altered Trait book, Altered Traits book, was that 
even for someone who has not ever meditated before, say, a 10-minute meditation session of just focusing awareness on the breath does show increases in these capacities and a reduction of stress, increased focus, fewer cognitive errors. So you get a short burst of these benefits immediately after you meditate, which is why a pre-game meditation can be so valuable or a pre-performance meditation can be so valuable no matter what your level of expertise is in meditation. But the long-term, the trait changes, as they call them, um, are the result of long-term practice. And there seems to be something of a linear relationship between the amount of hours that one practices and the degree to which these changes take place in the brain and the body and in the mind. So all of this is great. And I think that it's important to keep track of the science of meditation and to pay attention to the potential benefits because it can be motivating to some people. But in my experience teaching meditation to athletes, talking about the science of meditation can fall under the umbrella of what I like to call the being told to floss dynamic. And so when I go to the dentist and the dentist or the, the nurse or whatever it is tells me or asks me if I've been flossing and, you know, I go, yeah, yeah, I try to be, you know, trying to floss, yeah, but I try should probably do a little bit more, blah, blah, blah. And then she tells me that my tongue's going to turn black and my teeth are going to fall out if I don't or something, uh, you know, that scary, basically. I always leave the dentist, you know, momentarily convinced that, yeah, I should probably start flossing. I'm going to start flossing from now on when I go to bed. And then, you know, without fail, I show up to the dentist again six months later and I've flossed something like seven times, nine times in a good six-month period. <laughs> and recently I've just been telling the dentist straight up, I've just been like, yeah, man, I just haven't been flossing. I just I just can't make myself do it. So I say that just to, to illustrate that there are many things just like that where we know it's good for us and we know that it would probably help our lives, but for some reason we just can't do it. And I think meditation can often fall under this bin for many athletes. You are momentarily intrigued by the type of benefits. Oh yeah, I'd like to be less stressed. I'd like to be less anxious. I'd like to be more concentrated. Maybe I should meditate. In fact, I will. I'm gonna, I'm gonna download this app and I'm gonna start meditating. But then meditation seems to fall away to other priorities that we're most, more used to paying attention to. As an athlete, it's so easy to think, is sitting quietly for 10 minutes really going to help my jump shot or my swing or my serve? And because there's no external pressure, because no one's going to see you sit and give you credit for it or see you not sit and reprimand you, it's just a very easy thing to let fall through the, fall through the cracks. And as coaches who, you know, I was a coach for a couple of years and I was in the storm of preparation for games and there's just a bottomless list of things that a team can potentially get better at. And so when there's ball screen coverages to go over and defensive transition things to clean up or a new play to implement, it's very hard to make time in your finite practice schedule to have the team sit quietly and follow their breath. 
even if we are aware of the recent studies that have come out and the science supporting the benefits of meditation for performance, it's just a difficult thing to prioritize. And so with this podcast, I am trying to make my persuasive argument for why an athlete should train his or her mind and why coaches should make time to implement meditation and mental training into their programs. And before we move on, here's a clip from Kobe Bryant talking about meditation. And I'd say lesson two would be just five minutes of quiet time, five minutes for you to be mindful and to just sit and, uh, and, and find that inner voice and, uh, and, and just kind of listen to the self. And uh, preferably it would be in the morning as you start your day. I meditate every day. I meditate every day and um, I do it in the mornings and uh, I do it for about 10 to 15 minutes. And uh, I, I think it's important because it just, it, it, it sets me up for the rest of the day. You know, it helps me, it's like, it's like, it's like having an anchor. You know, it's, it's, um, if I don't do it, I feel like I'm constantly chasing the day as opposed to being able to be controlled and dictate the day. Not that you're you know, calling the shots on what comes forward, but the fact that I am set and ready for whatever may come my way. You know, I have a calmness about whatever comes my way and a poise. Um, and that comes from starting the morning off with meditation. For me, it's really just, just listening to, to my inner self. I mean, there's, that's basically it. Like you, you sit in silence and you just allow these thoughts to come forward and you get a chance to observe um, the self and, and, and things that may be lying beneath the surface that if you don't have that time to sit quietly on your own, you'll never pay attention to. Because you know, if you think about it, like you know, the reality is we're paying attention to so many things that are going on around us. We're constantly taking selfies, we're constantly taking pictures to post on Instagram and all these other things, and we're constantly observing everything that's around us, but we don't take the time to really observe what's going on inside of ourselves. And uh, that's what meditation is for me. In 2000, we had a new head coach that came to the Los Angeles Lakers by the name of Phil Jackson. And Phil was just coming off of winning six championships with the Bulls. And he was really big on mindfulness and really big on meditation. And it wasn't an option for us. So we'd sit in our film room and he'd turn the lights out and he would, we would meditate as a group. And he'd teach us mindfulness. And it really connected with me because he was teaching mindfulness through something that I was extremely passionate about, which was the game of basketball. So it was told through the lens of this is going to help you here. And so I had this curiosity about it. And um, that was my introduction to meditation. And then seeing the poise that we played with, the fact that we can be in a hostile environment with fans yelling and screaming and you know, pressure situations and it, and it having no effect on us because we were never too high, never too low. We were just in the moment and uh, felt very secure in who we were. And uh, um, that was my introduction to meditation. So I think there are two primary reasons why this should be a priority in sports. And the first is performance-based. As athletes, we all 
as athletes and coaches and fans, we all understand intuitively that there's a big difference between various mental states in sports. And we know what it's like to have our mind right and when it's not right. Uh, I think this is especially true for those of us who've played baseball or softball. And there can just be a striking difference between how you feel when you step up to the plate. I remember playing baseball and sometimes I'd step into the box and feel like no matter what pitch the pitcher threw, if it was anywhere over the heart of the plate, it was going to get laced into one of the gaps. And I just would step in with a kind of swagger and joyful confidence. And I just pitied the pitcher who made a mistake. And there were other times where I'd step into the box and it literally didn't, it felt like the bat didn't even have a sweet spot. It was like, I couldn't even envision myself hitting the ball squarely. Like no matter what I did, I was out in front or I was behind and I was rolling over to the shortstop or popping up to the first baseman. And it's just kind of a helpless feeling. And so I, you know, you understand, and the same thing's true in other sports like basketball, you know what it's like to feel like there's just no way that you can't make your next shot. And the opposite is true. And obviously testimony supports that this is true in all, all sports. So the question is, because we all understand what it's like to have our mind right and wrong, how do we actually make it right more often? And I remember just always kind of feeling like this was a haphazard project growing up in that I sort of just hoped that I would be confident or I tried to summon confidence in various ways like listening to intense rap music or, you know, telling myself to be confident in, in various ways. And I think that this has some efficacy for sure, but it was nowhere near as powerful as after I had learned to meditate. So as an example, I want to read off a few pieces of advice that we often hear in sports. And these are things that, these are phrases that float around the sports community. These are memes that we see on Instagram. And these are th important things well let me just read them so things like control what you can control and don't worry about the rest live in the present moment be happy for your teammates when they're having success even if you aren't stay composed under pressure be disciplined and then my personal favorites are don't be nervous or just be confident and these are phrases that really float around the sports community as if it were just a decision to make to not be nervous or, or to just be confident or to live in the present moment. Now imagine having this type of advice given to an athlete and see and just try to feel how insane this would be if coaches were saying this to their players. Be stronger, jump higher, run faster and farther with more endurance, hit the ball harder and further be a better shooter and make more shots. Now, these are just insane things to say. We all know that these are things that require diligent training and practice um, in order to cultivate these skills. And so while I don't think it's a perfect analogy, I think it does. it is close enough in that some of the mental skills, like control what you can control and, worry, and don't worry about the rest, or living in the present moment, or not being nervous, are very difficult to cultivate and they require practice. And while it, it is no doubt powerful to try to reframe your experience and encourage yourself to have the right mindset, 
for many of us, it's, it's much more powerful to have a way to practice this off the court and out of the weight room and alone on the meditation chair. And so what you're doing when you learn to meditate is you're learning to pay attention to experience clearly without trying to change it or improve it. And this skill of clear awareness and focus on what's actually happening is a superpower in both sports and in life. It's how you become less reactive to external stimuli. It's how you become more grounded and more present and more patient and less stressed out and less anxious about the future or guilty about the past. It is this kind of master skill of what is called in the meditation community meta-awareness. Meta it's, it's the ability to watch your own mind and to have some agency over where your mind goes. So when you're sitting alone on the meditation chair and you're trying to pay attention to your breath, which is a simple first place to start, and you follow the breath on your inhalation and then your exhalation, and then your mind sprints away into what your boyfriend or girlfriend said that annoyed you this morning, or what you should have bought at the grocery store, or what you hope happens in your next game. And all of a sudden, you're lost. You're lost in thought, and it's been a minute and a half since you've noticed your breath. And in that moment when you notice that your mind has run away, and you're able to bring your attention back to the breath, that is in itself a rep. It's like a ball handler going through a cone trill, drill, or it's like a, a dumbbell rep in the weight room. And it's making your brain slightly stronger and slightly more focused. And when you put in you know, 50 or 100 or 200 of these reps in a 10-minute meditation session, then your brain will have improved that much over that period of time. And when you do this every day, you slowly start to notice that the when you miss your first three shots in the game and what used to be a mental spin out and a kind of confidence dump in which you don't have any confidence in your shot anymore and you hope you don't go 0 for 8 and you worry about your shot percentage and it just spirals, you can pay attention to the next play and come back to the present moment and regain your mental balance much quicker than you used to be able to. Or for the player who gets criticized by his head coach and then typically has a mental spin out that ruins the rest of his practice for him and everyone else, after having meditated for some time, they are more likely to feel the anger and embarrassment of the criticism clearly without reacting to it and then are able to refocus their attention on the next play or the next rep and the next drill. And so this skill of cultivating mindfulness on the meditation chair is what can ultimately lead to a better, more balanced, more secure mind in competition. And these positive states of mind have performance implications. And the other thing I wanted to bring up here is what I think of as the glass ceiling of, that the mind often sets on an athlete's performance. So obviously, what's most important for being a successful athlete is to learn how to play the sport. Someone who's never played um, golf before, let's say, 
can't just sit down and start meditating and then expect to go out and be a good golfer. You have to learn how to play golf, of course. But many athletes get to a place in their careers, and this certainly happened to me during my college career, where all of the countless hours that are put in in the weight room and on the court or on the field and in conditioning and in yoga and in stretching and in everything else, they there seems to be a ceiling that's set on an athlete's performance by the mind. And what I mean by that is no matter how many shots someone makes alone, like let's say that they can increase their shooting percentage in a very in various drills from 65% to 70%, and they shave their mile time down by 15 seconds, and they add 25 pounds to their bench press, and they become a little bit more flexible. All of these things are great, but when they get to the court, their mind has set a limitation on how they can play. So when they show up to the game and they're nervous or they're sluggish or they're easily agitated or they're overly competitive or you know, there are any number of mental qualities that can throw off performance, they're not able to access the skills that they've worked so hard to develop in the off season and in the preseason and throughout the week, right? So I think of meditation as a way to unlock the skills that athletes work so tirelessly to perfect. And you see this clearly at the highest levels. Like for instance, you know, like in the NBA, basically everyone is unbelievably talented and can shoot the lights out in the gym and can just kill and pick up games and have incredible vertical leaps and weight lifts in the weight room and they're just freaks right but what tends to separate the best of the best in the nba is not always a a skill thing unless you're you know a total freak athlete who's even better than the rest of the nba it's generally a mental or what i like to call a spiritual with scare quotes around it it's a mental or a spiritual difference in s- between someone like Kobe Bryant and Carmelo Anthony, for instance, or you know Michael Jordan and his fierce intensity and focus, or Tim Duncan in his stoic behavior on the court and his mental consistency. It's those players who have incredible minds who end up being the best players. And I think this is also true at the upper levels of high school and college competition as well, where many of the best players just have a sense of confidence and often joy, and um, they just have a, a balanced mind that they bring to competition. And so I think athletes who take just 10 minutes out of their day each day to work on training their minds will see a really, really big return on investment in that those 10 minutes they spend every day will enhance all of the rest of the things that they're doing with the film that they watch and the miles that they run and the weight that they lift and the drills that they go through. It's those, it's those times on the meditation chair that can really boost everything else that an athlete is doing. And then lastly, what I'll finish with here is what I think is actually almost more important than how meditation can help an athlete perform better or can help a team perform better collectively is what I've been paying more attention to lately as I watch, play, and coach, and teach in sports. And that is 
just how precious an athlete's window is to play sports and how special of a opportunity it is to be on a sports team and how quickly it all goes by. And when I look back on my career as an athlete, I have to admit to myself just how much of that special window I spent wishing it away. So during a difficult drill, I'd watch the clock and wait till it finished, or I'd look ahead to the weekend, or if I was having a bad season, I'd look ahead to the off season with the false impression that somehow life after sports would be way easier and less stressful and all the rest. And each year, um, I'm talking to a new crop of players who have graduated and they've entered life after sports, and only then do they really realize how special it was to be a part of a team and to have a, you know, built-in tribe that they're that you're competing with and a goal to accomplish. And so, I think that just like a life is precious, and that we need to make the most of it, an athletic career is precious, and that for many athletes who take their sports very seriously and have practiced their whole lives and have maybe even gone to, on to play in college, the end of an athletic career can feel something like the, like a form of death. And so what this means is that I think that athletes should spend more time appreciating what they have when they are playing their sports and spend less time wishing for an improved status within the team or looking ahead to future goals or, you know, bitching about the coaching staff or other teammates or the system that they're playing in or the location that they've end up, up, ended up in. You know, all of us athletes do this to some extent, and some of it's inevitable, but I think that a meditation practice is the way that you can take the time to appreciate what's really going on in your sport. And appreciating your sport and t- making the most of it, you know, how do you actually do that? How do you make the most of an athletic career while you're in it. I don't think it means posting overly emotional posts on Instagram about how important your athletic career is or staring at the trophies that you accumulated in your trophy case after you've won a bunch of championships and individual awards. I think making the most of an athletic career means just paying closer attention to what's actually happening. It's being more present. And when you start to learn to meditate, you can actually pay attention to the resistance that you feel when your alarm clock goes off and it's still fucking dark out at five in the morning and you would want nothing more than to fall back asleep. I think I spoke about this a bit in my first episode, the kind of the horror of a morning practice. Or if you're doing thrusters in the weight room or running suicides, it's actually possible with some mindfulness practice to notice yourself wishing it away and to actually come back to, wow, you know, this is, uh, there are a finite number of times where I'll be able to do this with my friends. And so I am going to just notice it without trying to change it. And I'm going to pay close attention to it. And athletes who learn to meditate also start to see other characteristics of their own minds that are taking away from the athletic experience. Like, A classic one in sports is if your so-called best friend on the team is enjoying success and you're not. And there's a big difference between resenting your friend's success and secretly wishing that he fails so that he can or he or she can experience the same failure that you're experiencing 
or genuinely being happy for your friends and for your teammates when they're doing well, even when you're not. It's, I think practicing meditation gives athletes the ability to ride the inevitable ups and downs of an athletic career much more gracefully than we tend to do. And rather being thrust around by these waves of ups and downs and feeling elated during the good times and depressed during the bad times, it's a better experience to feel equanimous and grateful regardless of how your current game or practice or season is going. And this is not the same thing as apathy or, you know, you still want to win and you still want to play well. But when you sign up for sports, you're signing up for a certain amount of heartbreak and failure. And so, you know, learning how to appreciate that as all part of the journey is a big part of making the most of an athletic career. So I'll end with a quote from one of my favorite books, which is The Inner Game of Tennis. This is a book that I think Steve Kerr reads every offseason. It's just a terrific book that I, I strongly recommend to athletes and coaches and even fans. And in this book, Tim Galloway writes beautifully about what it means to develop the inner game and to trust yourself and to develop pure confidence that's sustainable and to get out of the ego mind and let yourself play. And it's a lot of what um, he, he described beautifully the process that helped me recover as an athlete. And I, I think it's just a, a terrific book. And so this is him writing about why an athlete should develop the inner skills. So here it is. The development of inner skills is required, but it is interesting to note that if, while learning tennis, you begin to learn how to focus your attention and how to trust yourself, you have learned something far more valuable than how to hit a forceful backhand. The backhand can be used to advantage only on a tennis court, but the skill of mastering the art of effortless concentration is invaluable in whatever you set your mind to. And I think this is a really important point and something that I noticed about myself in my athletic career. All of the hours that I spent, and I think I mentioned this in the Libby pod, but all of the hours that I spent training myself to be able to knock down free throws at a high rate and ball handling drills and all of that was great, and I definitely don't regret it. But the time that I spent developing my mind, both deliberately through meditation and just through going through the ups and downs of sports and, and developing what Galloway calls the inner game, really have been paying dividends in every other area of my life. And it's, it's a skill that translates to everything you do. So beyond performing better and making the most of an athletic career, I think young athletes who learn some of these skills and mindfulness and meditation are setting themselves up to have happier, more productive, and more beneficial lives for themselves and for others as well. So I will end with that. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can share it with anyone who you think might, might like it. You can post it on social media. You can leave a review wherever you're listening to it, and those definitely help the podcast reach new listeners. And you can subscribe to my website, which is billyhanson.net, and that way you can be updated whenever new content comes out. And I am actually developing a newsletter, which will have what I call the super spicy sauce of the week, which is just a short quote or image or video that is related to these topics that I found valuable in my recent reading or research. 
So thank you for listening and until next time.